I want you to, to see today that uh, the body of Christ, and I probably uh, would be wrong to say around the world, but since we live in this nation, we'll just focus on our people here. It's easy to say that the biggest factor, the biggest fallout to our nation right now because of COVID is not financial, it's not even health, it's not even the lost lives, even though we mourn and we pray for those that have or those that are sick. The biggest thing we're dealing with right now in the body of Christ is an increased backslidden condition of the people who call themselves Christians. Uh, COVID has been bad for us financially. It has been bad for us in terms of the health of our nation and our people, but it's been an absolute spiritual wrecker in this nation. And so what I ask you to do is not look around or just focus on maybe what you, you think you've been doing or, or what you think you are or not. And the Holy Ghost just talk to you. You know, the psalmist is very wise when he says, search me, O God. Notice that scripture doesn't say, search the guy next to me, O God. It's search me, O God. And to see how you're actually doing and to learn today from the uh, writer of Hebrews exactly how you can backslide proof your life, how you can find the cure to backslide. But you can't do that unless you're actually honest about it. Now, let me just start this by saying this. According to Jeremiah 3 verse 22, it says, Return faithless people and I will cure you of backsliding. Watch that. The key is, I have to return. Well, to return, I have to acknowledge that there's some backsliding there. And backsliding doesn't mean that you're engulfed in all kinds of heinous and horrible sin. It doesn't mean you're going to split hell wide open. It doesn't mean you've lost anything. But I will say this to you, that before somebody commits apostasy, which is a denunciation of Jesus Christ and his pathway to heaven, before apostasy happens, backsliding takes place. This person will wake up one day and say, oh, I'm apostate. That's the end of the story. No, it happens gradually. It happens seductively. So if you have some backsliding going on in your life, you don't want to pretend it's not there. You don't want to make excuses for it. You don't want to compare yourself to other people. Because if you do so, you might just be comparing yourself to somebody who's more backslidden than you are. That'll work, won't it? So he says, return faithless people and I will cure you of backsliding. And then the response is in Jeremiah, yes, we will come to you for you are the Lord our God. In other words, you're the only one that can fix this thing. You're the only one that can correct the path that we're on. Now we can look at all the reasons and all the circumstances and talk about, you know, how we've had to have special, you know, you know, restraints on the church and there have been limitations on the church and people are upset and they're afraid and they've lost finances and they've lost jobs and they're on unemployment. All kinds of reasons. At the end of the day, if we're going to recover or be cured from backsliding, we're going to have to take responsibility for our own spiritual walks. We can't blame the governor, we can't blame the pastor, we can't blame the deacon, can't blame the president, can't blame the school superintendent. We have to be honest about what's going on in our own lives. And what's going on across the body of Christ is a backslidden condition. So I'll say it again to you today, you could be somewhat backslidden, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to go to hell. I want you to see the picture of this video because it reflects in this, in this town of Coventry, this destroyed cathedral, and when it was destroyed, when the beams fell, they fell into the form of a cross. And they took that and they mounted it, and it's there to this day. Same thing happened over in Hamburg, Germany. There's one church, St. Nicholas, that was repeatedly bombed. They would rebuild it. It's bombed. They rebuild it. And the next thing you know, they finally say, you know what, let's just leave it the way it is as a memorial to the hurt of war. 
on the Allies' side, you know, Germany and the United States bombing Hamburg, on the, on the German side bombing Coventry, and you can see ashes and destruction there. Well, that's a type of our lives. Just because we've been bombed or just because we're going through a tough patch or just because we've backslidden doesn't mean we have to stay there. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and does what? He gets back up. The scripture says, when I fall, I shall arise. I want you to confess that with me. Come on, say, when I fall, I shall arise. Some of us think that the Christian walk is a, a, a you know, demonstration of perfection and infallibility, when in reality it's a marathon that we often find ourselves falling in ditches and puddles and traps. The key is to get back up again. I said the key is to get back up again. There's not a person in this room that has run their race without stumbling or falling or making mistakes. There's not a person in this room that hadn't had somebody reach out a hand of love and say, you know what, you can make this. Get up and let's walk this thing out. That's what the Christian life is all about. So it's not a message that has poor pitiful you, horrible you, because you have backsliding going on in your heart. No, it's encouragement to you that you don't have to stay there. And the father that you serve, the, one, the father that you love, the one that sent his son for you and for me, he's bidding you to come home without condemnation, without retribution. He just wants to see all the prodigals come home. Whether you're a prodigal way far away from God or you're just maybe just a little bit, a few clicks away, he wants you to come home. Turn to somebody and tell him, God just wants you home. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. Amen. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, I pray or I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your what? As your soul prospers. In other words, the most important thing that you can have is a, is a right relationship with God. The most important thing you can have is a mind that is renewed and emotions that are submitted to God and rather than be emotion ruled, your spirit controlled and led, and to have a will that's submitted to God. Every good thing that God has for you hinges on the wellness or the wholeness of your soul which means that you cannot excel in other areas of life if spiritually you're backslidden. But we don't have to stay that way, which means we can enjoy his best, but we have to focus first on what's most important, and that is your spiritual life today. You see, backsliding disqualifies us from God's best, but turning to him and being faithful causes us to abound with all kinds of blessings. I want you to go to Hebrews 10 with me. And this is a group of people that have been through unbelievable challenges. And from the writer's perspective here, they've done a pretty good job of hanging in there. And then all of a sudden, there's an urgency in the writer's voice and writing that apparently the people are starting to get weak. Apparently the people are starting to waver. Apparently the people are starting to go back and forth in their faith with God. And this is what it says. We'll just start this in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, verse 31. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You know what he's saying here is you've already been to hell and back spiritually. And you excelled. And you maintained your walk. And you were victorious over all that pressure. Now watch what he says. So do not throw away your confidence. After all of that, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Come on, shout that out. You need to persevere. Turn to somebody and tell them you need to persevere. You need to persevere so that what, uh, when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. There's a shouting ground right there. He who comes will come and not delay. Hallelujah. In a little while. This is a little while 2,000 years ago. So that makes us closer to in a little while than we've ever been. Come on, say it. In a little while. He who comes will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one will, what? Live by faith. And if he shrinks back or backslides, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. He says, hey, Hebrews, you've done so well, don't blow it now. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you've done a great job. Now hang in there. And if you're wavering, there's a result for that. There is a, a fix for that. There is something that God can do in your life today. If you just simply say, you know what? This has been a challenging season around the world, throughout the country, throughout our region and our state. We've seen our share. Let's not lose now. Let's not throw in the towel now. Let's not be overcome now. Because we're more than conquerors, church. Come on, say it. I'm more than a conqueror. Under great pressure and challenge, he says, don't shrink back. Don't yield to the pressure to quit. Don't backslide. Don't get tired of standing. Amen. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 6, having done all to stand, do what? Stand. Having done all to stand, stand. And when I listen to the tongue and interpretation from earlier, when I meditate upon that, it reminds me that God has great things in store for you. He's moving in your life. Well, I don't feel it. I don't see it. You don't have to feel it or see it to know that his word is true. His scripture is true, and the spirit of God is speaking truth to your heart today. Hang in there. If you're on the ground, push up and get up. If you're just going slow, just keep up the pace. You know, if you find yourself in a ditch, you can get out of that ditch. Do you know that the devil has not created a ditch so bad that God can't get you out of it? It's called mercy. Now, some of you have tested that theory. But there is no ditch so big that God can't get you out of it. If you just recognize that he wants you just to return. And he'll cure you of that which is the problem. Now I want to just point out to you that there is in this same chapter the cure for backsliding. What's interesting is he puts the cure before he even talks about the problem. And then he finishes that end of paragraph in his section by telling you, now don't shrink back and be destroyed. We're not of those that shrink back and are destroyed. We're of those that stand. We maintain our faith. We get up when we fall. We get out of the ditch. We move forward and just take a stand. You know what? God's going to bring you through this thing. It's a different kind of a spirit. 
You might be here today and you feel defeated. You feel beat up. You feel like you're against the wall like you never have been before. Well, you know what? You've got a God that knows what that feels like. You know, Jesus never lost a battle. I said Jesus never lost a battle. They thought they had him. But on the third day, he arose victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He is superior. That same champion spirit God wants to put inside of you. Well, I've just blown it too many times. I've had too many failures. I've made too many bad decisions. You know what? I've done things recently that I never saw myself doing. You know, I can't believe the choices that I have made. You know what? God's not for any choice that goes against his word, but he's for you. You know, he didn't die for your choices. He died for you. He didn't die because you're imperfect. He died for you. We've got to separate the grace of God from everything that we do or don't do. It's not about if you have so much on this side of the scale that's good and so much over here that's bad. And if the, the good outweighs the bad, then he's pleased with you and he'll do great things in your life. You don't have any good to put on the scale. No matter how good you think you are. The reality is we only have bad to put on the scale. But thank God Jesus comes over and puts his thumb on the other side. Do you see this? And that's what he wants to do in you today. Cure you of this backsliding and that mentality. I want you to go back to Hebrews uh, chapter 9 or 10 rather. And I want to encourage you to, to look at these five keys to the cure for backsliding. And every one of them have the word consistent in there. And that's important that you write that word down. Consistent means unchanging in natural uh, in nature or in conduct. To be consistent means not to change in nature or conduct over time. It means to be the same. The Bible concept of patience means to be consistently constant. If we catch you on a Monday, you're consistent. We catch you on Thursday, you're consistent. We catch you two weeks from now, you're consistent. We catch you next week or next year, you are what? Constantly consistent. Not perfect, but still serving God and loving the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength. It means to do these things consistently. So what you want to understand when I talk about these five things is that these things can't be done start, stop, you know, start, stop, start, stop. They've got to be consistent in your life if you want to have victory in this area over your life. And none of these are beyond us, and none of these are mystery. It's just right now, if a big portion of the church in America is backslidden, they need to see what the writer of Hebrews said. They need to see what author of that book said, that we can walk in victory over backsliding. Say it with me. It's okay. God has a remedy. It's not over for me. God still has good things for me. He's more than a conqueror, and he's made me more than a conqueror. But the first, you know, you know, foundational truth for you today before we get into these is that you just got to be honest with yourself. Don't add lying to yourself as another, you know, repercussion of COVID. Look at somebody and tell them, tell yourself the truth. Come on, do it again. Say, tell yourself the truth. One more time. Tell yourself the truth about your condition. This first uh, verse I want to read to you is in uh, verse 22. We'll back up to about verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open us for us uh, through 
the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, to go on with the scripture tells us that we're to do several things. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you believe that he really shed his blood for you. How many believe he really made a new and living way for you? All right. Based on what he did, that's what he did. We should have a response. And our response is what keeps us and preserves us and causes us not to shrink back into perdition or destruction. First of all, you need to have consistent devotions. Scripture says here, let us what? Draw near to God. In what? With a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Hallelujah. And having our bodies watered with pure water. Say that with me, my devotional life. Well, how many days can I skip devotions without being backslidden? It is interesting that if you test the theory, you never know which day is going to take you out. Um, but it shouldn't come as a surprise to you that Luke 10, 38 through 42 is an important scripture around this here church. That the one thing is the one thing that we shouldn't be neglecting during this COVID season. And yet that's exactly what's being neglected all over the body of Christ because we think we have to have everything fixed and situated. Then when everything is perfect, we'll go to God and we can have our devotional time and everything is great. What you need to do is realize how important your daily walk with God is to you not succumbing to backsliding. You cannot say, well, you know, I've missed a day here and there, get all religious about it. That's not what we're talking about. But you can go days and weeks and months without getting into God's word, getting into a place of personal praise and worship, getting into a place of confession with him, getting into a place where you're, you're, you're humble before him and transparent before him and the spirit of God can talk to you. You're on your way to backsliding if you aren't there already. In Luke chapter 10, there's a woman named Martha and she's busy doing what? You're going to have a great dinner for Jesus. Where's Mary at? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything he has. Which one of those two do you think was an immediate candidate for backsliding? Apparently Martha, because Jesus is Martha, Martha. You know when he says your name twice, you're in trouble. It's like your parents. When they call your first name and your middle name and your last name, you need to duck at that moment. Just duck. Or in the case of my grandmother, she just called all of our names. She, she'd look right at you and she'd say, Jamie, Gary, Tammy, Art. Tammy, really? Grandma, really? You could have called me at the three boys' name, but all the names, including her, I don't think so. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset and anxious about many things, but only what? One thing is needed. If there's one thing you don't want to skip or give up during the COVID season is your personal devotional time. It says draw near to him. James 4, 8 says draw near to God and he'll do what? He'll draw near to you. That's the key. That's the first step to sliding him back is to stop seeking him day by day, hour by hour, praising him, worshiping him, getting into his word, talking about the things of God, being excited about the word of God. You know, there is no way for you to avoid backsliding if all you get is service to service input from the things of God. And I have a better and more enthusiastic amen than that. You can't do it. I don't care who you are. 
in the ministry full time, sitting on a pew, you know, serving a guy, you know, a volunteer. You're not going to make it going week to week. Before COVID, in any given Sunday in America, one third of those that claimed to be Christians and a part of a church weren't there. After COVID, you can add another 25 to 50 percent, depending on how that church and where that location is at. And I'm not talking about places where churches are closed. I'm talking about the value for the things of God is waning. And that starts first with your personal devotional life. So look at somebody and say, don't be a Martha. Tell them, be a Mary. Don't be a Martha. Be a Mary. How I many you know it's a whole lot better to sit there in peace listening to what he had to say than being anxious and uptight and judgmental and fretful? Amen. Draw near to God. Number two, in verse 23. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Do you believe that today? Second principle is consistent hope. That means you have a vision of what you're supposed to be in God. It means that you're doing, of course, what Romans indicates in chapter 15. You're overflowing with hope by the Holy Spirit you can still see that he's working in your life and there's a picture of what you're supposed to be and do for God. And when that picture begins to get fuzzy, it's real easy for us to backslide. But I want you to make this the basis of continuing hope. He who promised it is faithful. He is faithful to his promises. The scripture says all of them are yes and what? And they're amen. Turn to somebody and say, God is for you. If you're honest in your heart today and you don't see yourself doing something great for God, you don't see yourself walking in victory, you don't see yourself excited and growing in God, you just see like you're falling back in your mind and your thoughts, you've got an issue there. You know that backsliding has occurred in your life. You shouldn't be measuring yourself about just existing or surviving. God hasn't called you to survive spiritually. He's called you to thrive spiritually. Come on, say it. I'm not a survivor. I'm a thriver. And that means I have a vivid inner image of an eager expectation of what I'm supposed to be and do for God. And if that is waning, if it's getting fuzzy, it means all these other influences come in to paint a different picture than the one that the Holy Spirit is trying to paint on the inside of you. Remember this teaching. God's word is the paint. The Holy Spirit is the artist and your heart is the canvas. If you're not allowing him to paint on that, you're getting a picture of something else. And that is an indicator that you're actually backsliding. A backslider is not somebody who just picks up a gun and starts shooting people. A backslider is not somebody, you know, that burns something down or somebody that goes out and has a million affairs or whatever. No, if you're not seeing what God sees about you, you're on your way back down again. Have you noticed there's no plateau in Christianity? You're either going up or you're going down. You're either growing or what? You're diminishing. Say this to me. I am growing. Say it again. I am growing. Growing, growing in my faith. Number three, consistent accountability. Consistent accountability. You mean I'm accountable? Well, apparently in, in the COVID season in the United States, not so much. But look what the scripture says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Say, he's talking about all of us. We're all to spur, and we're all to be spurred. We're all to spur, and we're all to be spurred. 
Now watch this. To spur one another means to goad or to prod, literally to provoke one another. It means to sharply confront one another, you know, with the word of God, with the response. It doesn't mean to say, well, you know, so-and-so, he, he used to be excited about God, but, you know, okay, sirrah, sirrah. I don't have anything to say about that. No, this, this word means to get up in each other's face and provoke each other to love and good works. Staying in love and staying in the things of God. And how many know all of us could use a good paddling every once in a while? You were enthusiastic about that as well. You want to know what the problem is? A false heretical doctrine got into the church that says, well, you're not supposed to judge anyone when that word actually means you're not supposed to dispense final dispensation to that person's life. You have no right to say where they're going to end up or whether they're going to be in heaven or hell. That's not your call at all. But your job is to hold to the word of God and hold it up when there is variance to that word of God. We don't do that anymore. In the body of Christ, if Fred gets offended, then Fred's friend Joe should say, knock it off, put your big boy pants on and grow up. But in the world we live in right now, we don't provoke somebody back to love. We give them pity and empathy. And in fact, we join them in their offense. So Joe now becomes twice the son of hell that Fred is. Joe has a friend I call him Matthew. Matthew should be talking now to Joe and saying, you know what, knock it off, put your big boy pants on and grow up. But instead of him provoking them, they suck him in away from the things that would indicate love in their life and good works. This is where we are in the body of Christ. Everybody's afraid to say anything to anybody. And if you do, God help you because that person may just write you off forever. Or go on Facebook, talk about how judgmental you are and how unloving you are. It's not loving to let somebody violate the word of God and nobody say anything about it. Because at the end of the day, when he returns, he's not going to budge on his words one iota. Are you here today? It is right for us to lovingly tell somebody, speak the truth in love. You know, you're going down the wrong path here. But Christians are petrified to do that. They don't want somebody to hate them or be upset with them or talk ugly about them or post on them. They just want to be everybody's buddy. Sometime you need to be the accountability for that person if you really love them. And you say, you know what? This isn't love and good works. I need to provoke you. I need to prod you. Instead, we become part of the problem by giving them, you know, the false illusion that what they're doing is okay. I see this all the time. If you're not under accountability and you're not offering accountability, you're on your way down spiritually. There should be people holding you accountable and there should be people that you are holding accountable. Not lording over people, but walking the love of God practically out because this is how you avoid shrinking back to destruction. Listen, you and I can't make it on our own. We are blind to things. Everybody in this room has a blind side. So you got 15 blind sides. 
And you need somebody to do what? You need somebody to tell you the truth in love. And if you're on the receiving end of that accountability, not to get all bowed up. That's what my sister calls butt hurt. What does that mean? You're just, you're just all hurt in your emotions and you can't even hear what's being said anymore. But to be teachable, to be pliable, to be correctable. If you can't be correctable, you're bound to be backslidden. Because the thing that is destroying you, holding you back, is the thing that's pushing you further and further away from the things of God. Amen. Say it with me. There are people. This should hold me accountable. And there are people I should hold accountable. That is scripture. Well, I don't want to be the judge. No. You don't get to pronounce the final dispensation on them. But you do get to say what the word of God says. To quote the word of God to someone else is not judgmental, especially when it's done in what? In love. Raise your hand if you want to avoid backsliding. I want to keep on growing. Well, you're going to have to do something about that devotional life. You're going to have to do something about that hope. You're going to have to do something about this thing called accountability. Left to ourselves, we'll all drive ourselves right off a cliff. And here we watch, revving that engine, going about to hit the ramp, and there you go, sailing across the other canyon. There's no way you're going to make it. And we sit back and say to ourselves, well, at least we stayed in love. We walked in love towards them. They're dead as a doornail, but we walked in love. What a con the devil has given the body of Christ. Amen. Are you still here? Look at somebody and tell them, I want to be like a Mary. And not a Martha. Consistent devotions, consistent hope, consistent accountability, sharply. You see, you can't make yourself agree with error. You can't do that. Hallelujah. Number four in verse 25. When you're there, say, I'm there. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. How about that? Now, how many know if something appears in Scripture, it's a command of God? I mentioned this to you before, but Tom Rainer and others say that 20 to 25% of the people who got out of church during COVID will never be back in that church. That is not something to be excited about or proud of. Can I have an amen? amen. What's going on? And we're not talking about people that are infected. We're not talking about people that are quarantined. We're not talking about people that are in those age groups or demographics or pre-existing conditions where they're vulnerable. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about people who have to work or are working. We're talking about Christians that are generally healthy, but they've, ba- they've formed some bad you know, habits in this COVID season. Well, Pastor, you know, I got really used to you just sitting at a table and I could just sit down on our couch with a cup of coffee and sit there with my Bible, hallelujah, in my robe and I don't have to even get out and go to church. Well, Jesus could get up on a cross, but you can't put your robe away and come to church. Bless your darling heart. That's why Keith Green sang so many years ago, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and you can't even get out of bed. That's the standard. Amen. What is he saying here? Let us not give up meeting together as is the manner of some. 
And what he said is, as some are in the habit of doing. Everybody say the habit. You know, it didn't take long to be out of church before it becomes a habit to you. The Bible says in Luke 4 that as was Jesus' habit or custom, he entered into the synagogue. And sometimes he would teach and preach. And oftentimes he would just be there in attendance like everybody else. But that's the habit that he had. There are two different customs, two different habits being formed right now. The one that pushes through and says, you know what? I can't wait to be back in the house of God. I know this is key and central to my development. There is no way for you on your own not to backslide if you cut yourself off from church. There's no way. This is not designed to be lived by yourself. It's designed to be lived in community. All you've done is lie to yourself. If you say, I don't need church, I don't need the community, I don't need people, you're saying I can do this all by myself, you are writing a version of Christianity that is not in the Word. You cannot stop backsliding if you're outside the house of God. And that doesn't mean you have to come in with bells on all the time and always be excited, but there's something to say for people being faithful. Do you know when I was young in the Lord and didn't feel like coming into the house of God, those were the days when God did the most in my life. And remember that old saying, you never know what you're going to miss if you're not there? There's a dynamic you can't pick up on Facebook. There's a dynamic you can't pick up on when you're looking at a streaming there's just something different about coming together. There's a, there's a feeding and a feasting going on. There's a corporate anointing going on. There are things that are happening in the spirit realm that we're detached from looking at a box or a screen or a phone. That's designed for people that are traveling and can't be there or are sick that can't be there. It's not designed for Christians that are now lazy and formed a bad habit. There needs to be a jumping out of that and quickly if you want to see God do a bunch of great things in your life as some are in the habit of doing. Look at somebody and say, I'm not going to be that some. Come on, say I'm not going to be that some. We can rise up from any level of backsliding, but we can't do it ourselves. There are some times that if you fall and you're away from the house of God, you may never get up. And I've seen people through the years in this church fall in some pretty big ditches. And I think about the people that were around them and lifted them up. Now they're doing great things for God because they were connected and attached. Well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to say things like this. Well, yeah, if you, if you, by that you mean I'm a pastor and I should speak the truth in love. Are you here? You must make that course correction in your life and get back into community as soon as you can. God has great things to do in you and great things to do through you. Say it with me. Constant devotions, consistent hope, consistent accountability, consistent attendance. Well, I don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like, going. Oh, I'm tired, I miss, I'm that. Shake out of that because what's going on in right now in you is more dangerous than COVID will ever be. Will leave a lasting debilitating effect in your life that COVID will not. Are you here today? Number five, let us not give up meeting together as is the manner of some, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
Same thing is reflected in Paul's writing over 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, in the context of the end times and his return, encourage one another. What does he mean here? Come on, you can make it. Yeah, that to a certain extent, but encourage one another that he's on his way back. Scripture tells us that he that hath this, you know, hope in him purifieth himself. To be encouraged, he's coming back. Ah, people have been saying that for years. And now God is mocked over whether he's coming back soon, when is he coming back. And people just having a field day, this Christianity stuff. And right now we're losing young people in droves all across the nation. People raised up in the house of God. They get off into college and do their own thing and listen to some crackpot who's teaching them philosophy or, or something else and trying to undermine their faith. And they're easily being undermined. We need to be broadcasting more than ever. He's coming back. You don't want to follow the dead into death. What you want to do is hear the truth. And his appearing is what sooner and closer than when we first believed. You should be excited about that. The one that came and died for you is the one that's coming back again. The one that is saved and healed and delivered is the one that is returning. And there is no amount of cynicism or mocking that can possibly stop that. God cannot be mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. You know as well as I do, this world is in a crazy season. More crazy than normal. And instead of withdrawing from the things of God, that should make you sober to think, guess what? He could come back any time. I was talking to a total stranger the other day, and that's the one thing that was on their heart. You know, he could come back any time now. Well, you don't want to be in your slippers in front of the couch on the day he does. You don't want to be backsliding. You want to be growing and being excited about the things of God. So it means to encourage each other in general, but specifically to encourage each other, he's coming back. I said he's coming back. I said he's coming back. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which remain shall be what? Caught up together with him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be. The more we see the end times ignored and the promises set aside, the more likely people are to stray from their high faith. But he's coming back. Vote to somebody and tell him he's coming back for you. Come on, he's coming back for you. What should be in your heart? What should be on your mind? What should be in your step? What should be in your conversation every day? Is Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. People are crazy, but Jesus is coming back. The government's nuts, but Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Encourage one another with the reality. How many know that when you gave your life to him, he touched your life and he changed you? How many would say that's his way it is? Absolutely. That same God, that same Jesus is coming back. What a day that'll be. I said, what a day that will be. That's when all the mocking and all the laughing will end. Now what's powerful about this is the writer of Hebrews is saying, 
don't shrink back. And here's what you do. Here's how you respond to that blood, and it positions you to be strong. Can you get a hold of that? I just want you to stand to your feet today and just begin to worship him.